Hello, friends. So it's been a minute, I realise. Um, there are so many reasons for that. And actually, I can't remember where we left off at the end of the last episode. Um, so at the end of this episode, I'll catch you up on what I think we've missed. But if I'm repeating myself, I apologise. I actually recorded an episode um, that covered this topic last week, but it disappeared somewhere into the cloud. So never to be seen again, obviously not meant to be. This morning, someone very politely requested a new episode and it gave me the push to actually re-record. So here we are. Um, I'm going to give you kind of like a a rundown of the topic I want to talk about. But like I say, right at the end of the episode, I will um, give you a bit of an update of what's been going on. Um, So I've been playing around with TikTok again recently. This is this is relevant, I promise. And I'm quite enjoying the thing of picking up the camera, recording a thought and posting it. I feel like this is what I said about this podcast way back when, but it has a real old school social media vibe for me. I'm not really watching a lot of content over there. Um, it's not really, like I did discover because I was trying to watch stuff on it and I was like, how am I, how do I only watch people that I'm following? Because it was just nonsense constantly and it's such a time suck. Uh, and then I realised right at the top of the page, you can very clearly just click following instead of for you. Um, so I'm only following about 10 people and um, I'm quite enjoying the beauty content at the moment from very specific people that I'm following and um, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm not, I'm not consuming a lot of content though. I'm trying to kind of get more into consuming beauty content again. Um, And the more I watch over there, the more I'm inspired by like, oh, okay, maybe I can do it this way. But I'm usually, I'm usually, I'm using it more as um, a bit of a notepad. So there've been so many topics, um, I want to say over the past few months, but really since I started this podcast, um, because I really do enjoy this for, I have a thought, let's talk a little bit more in depth about it on the podcast. But over the past few months specifically, if I have a thought that comes to mind, like a topic, and I don't write it down, I'll never remember it. So when it comes time to chat on here, I'm like, oh, what was it that I was going to talk about? Nothing. So I quite like that I'll have a little snippet of an idea over there. And it's a good kind of post-it for when I come to record a longer thought for you for the podcast. Anyway, so on to the main the main bulk of what I wanted to tell you about, it's kind of a, it's a story of sorts. We could call it a story time. I was chatting with a friend. I went into the office last week and um, I don't go into the office very often, but I was kind of catching up with someone that I work with. We were chatting uh, about my recent diagnosis. For those of you that don't know, I was diagnosed with um, depression in November, December time. Uh, I was, well, that's probably for another podcast, but it, I was just looking back at it. it it's at least a year in the making because this time last year I was like all time low. It was really, really bad. Um, and I, I wrote a lot of it off as various things. But one of the things is because I don't have periods because I have the marina coil. I um, never knew when my periods was. I never knew when my time of the month was. So a lot of the times I used to write it off as, well, I'm probably on my period. And then um, the low kind of would pass and I'd be like, yeah, that's probably what it was. But I think for a really long time, this has been kind of there. Um, Anyway, we were talking about my recent diagnosis and she was sharing the medication that she takes and why she takes it. And I said, as I usually do, that I'm not an anxious person. I don't worry about things that much. I'm not like laying awake at night worrying about, you know, what if the world ends? What if this, you know, what if we run out of money? The things that people worry about, I don't, I'm not anxious. I don't think I'm an anxious person, but I do worry about people. To elaborate, I worry kind of, I'm an overthinker, I suppose, which I suppose is like an anxiety. I don't know. Um, I worry about what people think, how people react. Did I say the wrong thing? Does that person like me? Did I overshare? Why haven't I heard from this person in a while? That kind of thing. 
I thought that was completely normal. I still think it's kind of, it's normal, right? I, I worry, I mean, the YouTube of it all is really, really difficult. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, why did I do this? Why did I decide to do YouTube? Because I am, I have such rejection sensitivity. It is insane. I really struggle with um, people disliking me. And I, I, that's something that I need to work on over time, but it is something that I know about myself. It's really, really difficult. So it's kind of crazy that I ever thought to do YouTube because immediately you get feedback and I had a lot of hate very, very early on. Um, not hardly any these days, but really early on. It should have run me off, but it didn't. Um, so yeah, that's that's the stuff that I worry about. People stuff. I worry about conversations. I play conversations over in my head, whether it be a conversation I've had or a conversation I'm going to have. I have to tell someone something. I'm really nervous about it, that kind of thing. I didn't really consider that to be anxiety because I thought it was just normal to worry about these things. But she pointed out that the level I was describing was definitely what she would call like a disordered level of overthinking or whatever. Um, And then we got into kind of who brings that kind of thing out most, how it affects relationships, when you're concerned about how you're being perceived, you know, how well you are maintaining friendships. If you're always worried about, oh, you know, can I say this? Can I be candid with this person? Um, Maybe you said too much the time that you went out. I mean, drinking for me has been very difficult with this part of my personality, which again, we're going to get into that because that's been quite an interesting revelation recently as well. I haven't been, well, I just haven't wanted to drink at all pretty much since December, here and there, but hardly anything at all. Um, And I want to talk about kind of habitual drinking, but that's going to be another episode. Uh, But for sure, I have incredible anxiety. And looking at it now through these like fresh perspectives, I'm like, this all goes part and parcel. It's all hand in hand. I'm so worried that I've done or said something that's going to upset someone that this is what gives me that anxiety. It's like, oh my God, what did I do? You know, did I embarrass myself? Did I upset someone? Um, all of this stuff. So we were talking about like, you know, who who makes me feel that the most? And I recalled that when the kids were younger, I would be so stressed out about Lee coming home to the mess of toys. Like if we have all the Lego out or we were painting or we were um, baking or something, I would text him to warn him ahead of time um, you know, when you get home, by the way, all the Legos out, don't worry, we'll clean it up. Or it's really messy when you get home, we've been painting or we've been baking or whatever. And for a long time, I blamed him for not externally, but this is how resentment, resentment build. For a long time, I blamed him for putting that on me. I would feel his energy when he got home and it would just put me on edge. You know, he's, he's getting home and I can just feel it. You know, when you've been with someone for a long time, you know what makes them tick. I know Lee does not like a messy space. I'm a messy person. I don't like a messy space either. <laughs> I know that doesn't make sense, but I'm a messy person. But I definitely, like when everything's clean, I'm like, oh, I can relax. But I am just naturally a messy person. And, you know, we've been together for whatever, 15 years at this point. He obviously thinks that it's worth putting up with me, but it's something that I know about him. I know that it stresses him out. I know that it makes him anxious. And so that was something that I was anticipating. I was thinking, oh my God, you know, he's going to get home and he's going to feel this way. Looking back, he was never angry. He never complained about the mess. I just knew it would stress him out. And I anticipated his mood and I was tense before he even got home. So that's not his fault. Like I was, I was creating that tension between the two of us and I was probably setting a mood that I didn't even recognize before he got home. I was tense. 
So I, in my mind, I'm like, I'm absorbing this tension from him. I'm absorbing the stress. But maybe it was the other way around. When I was growing up, I was around someone often whose mood would change with the wind. Funny uh, story. I mentioned this on TikTok. Um, I actually mentioned it on TikTok and then I shared it to Instagram. And I said their mood would change on a dime. And someone told me off. Very like bold letters. You are not American! Exclamation point, exclamation point. My entire um, TikTok, the whole little thing that I shared was about the fact that I don't need to manage other people's reactions and it's not my job, which was hilarious because then they like kicked off reacting to the um, fact that I mentioned, I used the phrase on a dime. I was like, just as a reminder, this is not my job to, to manage your reaction to this. It was kind of ironic given the subject matter. Anyway, but their, their mood would change on a dime. Uh, even in the middle of a conversation, something could switch. It would be like, I would just say the wrong thing. And this can happen even now. Like we can have a conversation and then just, it's the wrong thing. And then something, something switches. Um, and I was always waiting for that shift. I did what I could do to reduce any triggers or even to diffuse the situation when it arose. But I was always kind of waiting. You're in that kind of holding pattern of like, oh, and you can never get too comfortable. In talking with my friend, I realized this was something from my childhood that has impacted my entire life. I'm so sensitive to conflict anyway. Um, I'm pretty much a professional room reader at this time. Most of the time I'm projecting my own fear into the situation. So like I say, with the Lee thing, he would come home and I was like, I was projecting. I was like, I was assuming he was going to feel a certain kind of way. And I was like, I was probably annoyed at him for being potentially annoyed at me, but he was, he wasn't annoyed at me. It was so stupid. It was so stupid. So when Lee would get home, he would probably think like, oh, it's messy. You know, this is not ideal. I don't love it. But the story I was telling myself, as Brene Brown says, I love this. If you've never watched Call to Courage um, on Netflix, she I means she's got a book, read the book. Um, I obviously listen to the Audible version of that, but she's got a whole special on Netflix. She's got TED Talks, would recommend you consume as much Brene Brown as you can. Love her so much. But one of the things that I took away and um, use a lot is the story I'm telling myself. And she uses this in her um, teachings or whatever in her like, um, presentations, um, as kind of like, um, a technique when you're dealing with conflict with, let's say you're arguing with someone, it's useful to say the story I'm telling myself is because then they know what's in your head. You don't know what's actually happening. Like you're imagining, like for example, in this situation, the story I'm telling myself is Lee is getting home and he's angry with me and he thinks I'm bad or he thinks I'm lazy um, and it's creating tension. We're not having a conversation about it. He's not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. But in my mind, he's got home and he's annoyed with me. That never happened. I mean, it might have happened, you know. But as far as I know, that never happened. I'm projecting all of that. And what is useful in those situations is to share that with the person. Listen, this is how I'm feeling right now. The story I'm telling myself is this. And there's been times where I have said to Lee, when you say this, this is what I hear or this is what I feel. Basically, the story I'm telling myself is you say this and this is how you're actually feeling or you get home and this is the mood I think you're in. And every single time I've said that to him, he's like, that is absolutely 100%. And we'll never know. <laughs> but he says that is absolutely 100% not what I intended. Like, that's not how I'm feeling at all. That's not what I assume. That's just 
not the thing. I'll give you an example. Um, when I was really, really tired, at one point last year, I was just absolutely exhausted all the time. And I don't know if it was some of the medication I was taking at the time. I don't know if it was because of my chronic back pain. I don't know if it was because of my, at the time, undiagnosed depression. I don't know. But I would um, crash really, really early. So like as soon as I finished work, I went to get Milo from school. Everyone had had their dinner and I would like pass out on the sofa. And at that time, I was making a point of telling Lee, I'm not drinking at the moment. You know, I'm not having anything to drink. Completely not drinking, not drinking at the weekend, not drinking in the week not drinking at all. And he didn't think anything of it, but I would say all the time, oh, I'm, I'm not having anything to drink. Um, like middle of last year. And I said to him recently, the reason that I did that was because I, because there was an alcoholic in my family, um, I was, <laughs> if I someone, saw someone passed out in the middle of the day, I would assume they were drunk. I would assume they were passed out rather than asleep. Now that's not Lee's experience. That's not how he grew up. There was no one in his family with any kind of substance abuse problems. And so when I said this to him not that long ago, I said, well, you know, when I was doing this, this is the real reason because I I didn't want you to think that I'd been drinking in the middle of the day. And he said, I never in a million years would have thought that. Because there's nothing about my behavior that would make him think that that was true. And that's not something that he ever experienced growing up. So that was, again, me projecting that if I saw someone sleeping in the middle of the day, I would assume they were drunk. That is not what he would assume. The story he was telling himself would be completely, completely different to mine. So, you know, a little bit off topic, Um, but not really, because we're going to get into some childhood trauma stuff. Um, A little bit off topic, but the story I'm telling myself is so, so useful. And if you do have some kind of resentments and tension in your relationship, whether it be a romantic relationship, family relationship, a friendship relationship, so, so useful to lead with that, the story I'm telling myself. Um, So I would create all of this tension where there needn't really be any at all. Um, And beyond that, I would blame him for the tension because I'm like, well, he's getting home and he's annoyed and he's mad at me because I'm lazy and blah, blah, blah. But I'm just making all this stuff up in my head. With these fresh eyes, I'm looking at so many situations that I've been in with friends and family and wondering how much of it was real, how much of it I was imagining because I learned to anticipate a problem before it came up. Was I really anticipating the problem or was I creating the problem? I saw something about childhood trauma, you know, going back to the what I was just talking about. Um, I saw something about childhood trauma the other day and how someone thought they had none. And then in therapy, so much had unfolded that they'd completely dismissed. Because when you look back at your childhood and your family life and you think it was conventional and happy, you don't feel like you need to dive much deeper into, you know, what happened to you growing up or whatever. But we were all raised around imperfect humans, imperfect human people with complex human issues. You know, I have my issues and I'm raising children it's not that anything, anyone did anything wrong. Like I'm not doing anything intentionally wrong to my children, but we each adapt to the environment that we're in. And some of that adapting shaped who you are now. My daughter, for example, um, was raised in two different households. I split custody 50-50 with my daughter. She pretty much is here most of the time now because just she's nearly a grown-up and it's just easier to have a little bit more consistency in your life once you're of a certain age. But when she was a child, we would ferry her between two different houses. She went to the same school, um, but that's kind of how we did it. And she adapted to that situation and that 
will impact her as she grows up. She had to code switch between my house, her dad's house, school, her friends. She was probably three different people. And whether or not that impacts her negatively or positively remains to be seen. She might be fantastic at adapting new situations. And again, much like me, reading the room, understanding what you should and shouldn't say in front of people, um, that kind of thing. She was raised by so many different people because that's two very, very different families that her experience growing up is so different to someone else's. It's not wrong. No one did anything um, that you would be like, oh God, you know, this is really traumatic. But her experience is different to someone else's and she's had to adapt. So like I say, it's not about blame. It's not about anyone doing anything wrong. It's just about looking at how you're upbringing and the situation you were in maybe has impacted the way that you are now fascinating but also so useful when you recognize these things because this will change the way I look at things now I will give people the grace to react before I've decided how they might and I'll give myself the grace to accept their reaction as nothing to do with me it is not my job to manage other people's emotions or responses I don't have to soften the blow or ease the tension for other adult people. I can if I want to, but I have to detach myself from that being my responsibility. That's the real key. Like, of course, if you want to be that person, if you want to play that role in your family and it is a choice, but once you recognize this thing in yourself, like I have, I'm realizing for a long time, this was not a choice. This was something that internally I was like, this is just, this is my job. This is what I do to make myself feel comfortable because this is how I was as a child. It's so mad, it's so mad. And looking back, this is why it was so difficult for me living with my parents again as an adult. That's why it was so mentally taxing because already within my little like nuclear family living at home, like myself, my husband, my two children, I feel like I'm spinning plates, making sure everyone's good, everyone's getting along, there's no tension, there's no conflict. When my parents moved in, I added two more plates and a dog to the mix. It felt absolutely impossible to keep them all level. And again, (laughs) if I'd known this about myself earlier, I might have had an easier time because it was not my job to make sure that all of those people were good all of the time. But it just felt like, especially because I was in the middle of it, the dynamic of it was very much like, I, I I, I put myself in the middle again, A lot of resentment was built because I felt like I was in the middle and I felt like I was being put in the middle. And maybe sometimes that was true. Um, But I think for a lot of it, you decide what you accept from people. You decide what role you play in the family. And if you don't want to play that role, it's your job to say no. It's your job to push back and be like, no, I'm actually not going to be in the middle of this. And I didn't do that because I felt like it was my job ultimately. Um, Anyway, this leads me up to the update. As I said, I don't know if I already covered this because I can't remember what we talked about so long ago. Um, But over Christmas, there was some drama, let's say. Um, Ahead of Christmas Day, I told my husband what I needed him, uh, or rather what what I needed him to do, what I needed from him, was I needed him to be the peacemaker. That, as you probably um, have realised from what we've been talking about, that's usually my job. I was going to be busy because I was like cooking Christmas dinner and I was entertaining, hosting, whatever. Um, And I just asked him to try and like keep those plates spinning for me. Obviously not in in those terms because that's new. I was like, oh, yeah. It's so funny because I had this conversation with my friend after Christmas. And now I'm looking back at the whole situation being like, oh, this all 
completely coincides. It all comes together. Um, and it's important to know as well that there was no indication that any issues would arise. We're not, I saw a lot of stuff over Christmas where people were like, oh, you know, this is Christmas is when it all comes out and everyone's fighting. That's not my experience of Christmas. My family is not a, a dramatic family. People don't like fall out at Christmas. That's not a thing. Um, I was just doing my usual thing of anticipating non-existent problems ahead of time. But when the day did come, a large problem occurred, which is not mine to share. Um, but because I had communicated my needs ahead of time, Lee was on perfect form. If anything, best ever. On the day, because he's not hes not a social person, that's not his vibe, um, but he was perfect. And the day went as well as it possibly could. Still incredibly stressful in parts because of the situation that we were dealing with. But at the end, I felt like my immediate family had done everything that they could to ease that. And because that was so valuable to me, because that's something that I put a lot on, that's something that I feel is... Um, really, really important. At the time I was like, I feel good about this. Everyone, that was like the best Christmas gift. All of my immediate family did everything behaviorally that I would possibly want them to do. And it was, it was good. So that kind of like put a a positive spin on the day. But because of what happened on Christmas day, I was really on a low for like a week or so afterwards. And I really only came up from that when I detached myself from the situation it's not something I can fix. It is not my place and I can't control it. So I had to cut myself off from it completely. I am definitely someone who, um, I can't kind of be half in something. Like if I know something's happening and I, um, if you're like, listen, I've got a problem. It's an ongoing problem. You can't fix it, but I'm just telling you about it. That would be like my worst nightmare. (laughs) I like, I'm not saying this, you know, if you're my friend, please tell me if you've got a problem, if you want to share, that's great. I want to be there for you, all of that. But I find it incredibly stressful to be given a problem that I can't solve or worse still, that you don't want me to solve. Like that this is just going to be an ongoing problem and um, and I'm just going to live with it. That That's too stressful. So I just cut myself off from it completely. I've never been happier to have been in the early stages of taking antidepressants this Christmas, I can tell you. But that all kind of goes hand in hand with this new revelation. Um, I can't control everything that's a huge one. Uh, It's not my job to fix other people's problems. And I don't have to manage anyone else's reaction or resolve conflicts that don't involve me. There are so many dynamics at play. Maybe it's like an eldest child thing. Either way, letting go does not come easy to me at all. But I have to learn for my own sanity. And now I can rewind and see like where it all began, it's definitely easier to allow myself the space and remind myself why I need to do it. It's not good for me um, and my mental health to kind of be in a situation that I don't need to be in that isn't my situation to be in. Um, And it also, everything kind of came together all at once. I'm like, and also not my problem. (laughs) I know that sounds really callous and maybe, well, maybe it doesn't sound callous, but to me it does because that's always, your problem is my problem. I will always like get involved it's not my problem. I don't need to be involved and um, actually really, really beneficial for me to take a step back and uh, realise that this is not my, this is not mine to deal with. It's not mine to deal with and I don't have to worry about other people's lives and how they're managing things. It's just, it's been a revelation. So I wanted to share that with you, you know, a bit of a story, but also 
Um, I'm hoping that some of you will get something from that as well in the same way that I do when other people share their own little kind of revelations of, oh, this is something that's affected me my entire life. Um, I also shared this on Instagram and TikTok and a couple of people were like, but how do you do this? Honestly, it's just going to be practice. I, like I say, find it really, really difficult to detach myself. Um, but you just have to, it's, I suppose it's like affirmations. You have to just remind yourself it is not your problem. If somebody else is reacting to something, if you can see people falling out, you know, if there's something you can do, then fine. But a lot of the time there isn't. And more than that, even if you are trying to do something, it isn't your job. Like you can help a situation without taking it on as I have to do this. This is a thing that, you know, this is my responsibility. That's the biggest part of it. I'm not saying don't help people. I'm just saying you don't, it's not your job. It's not your problem. It's not your fault. And it is not your responsibility to make sure everybody else is happy. It's a real grown up, you know. If you've done something wrong, fair enough, apologize. But I think you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, I have so many other topics that I want to talk about this year. Um, I was just watching Helen Anderson's most recent vlog and she talked about um, emotional compatibility. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. I'm definitely going to talk about that because she said that she broke up with her boyfriend recently and that she realizes now that they just weren't in the same place emotionally and uh, they weren't compatible. I think that is a fantastic topic to get into. If you've got anything you want to add, let me know, put me uh, a DM on Instagram and we'll chat. But I've got some thoughts on that. Uh, But yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for still listening, even though I hardly ever post these. Um, And I will see you guys in the next one. Bye.